Hello and welcome to the Generation Gap show here for Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. My name's Clive Glover and uh, this time my guest is Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Good afternoon, Clive. Hello. Now, Hannah, you're very into music, I know, and so that's going to be the subject we'll talk about. And in particular, I think there's two aspects. One is the sort of type of music, the genres, I think is the correct term, um, which we're both used to o- over the years, and also the sort of technology behind it. And I know you, you particularly work in the sort of technology side of things, so you can tell us all about that a bit later. So let me start off. Um, when I was a sort of teenager, um, music was very much part of the, the culture, but it was the new kind of pop music. It was uh, way back, I have to say, in the late 1960s and early 70s, I'm talking about. And um, I had pocket money, and my pocket money was generally spent in a record shop buying a new single or two. And occasionally, when I got more money saved up to buy an album, which was the sort of 12-inch record i don't have to explain what those are i know you do know that but obviously a lot of people your age probably aren't very familiar with these things Uh, although people still have records and i did see the other day that the number of records sold in the last year or so is actually more than cds which i found incredible yeah yeah that's correct um not really kind of sure that could be behind i guess it's um it just feels quite vintage i guess a lot of people quite like the kind of physical aspect of a of a record it's like you know it's a nail hitting a hitting these little dents it's kind of um it's um I guess people quite like the visual aspects and um I guess it's been been brought to attention a lot more about um how physical music is like kind of one of the best ways that an artist can make money so it's kind of vinyl records are kind of for the super fans it's um they like records are kind of used nowadays like you know, the the sleeves are quite um very well designed, brilliant graphics, kind of little extras involved if you buy vinyl records. So um, I guess people just kind of feel a bit closer to what they bought in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, they, they always were. They were real a work of art, the album covers anyway. Um, also, I mean, the price now, I don't know. Last time I looked, someone the albums were like £30, whereas when I did it back in the 1970s, an album was like £1.50. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah, um, I, I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I do actually work for a um, a vinyl record distributor and um i think the label that reportedly well pretty much uh, pays my wages if you if you will kind of the biggest label that we work for um you know do very uh dressed up vinyl cases and stuff like that and their vinyls are probably about that price for an album to be fair and um they, they do very well in selling them <laughs> You have to be quite a fan, I think. Anyway, so so what I was mm. saying was uh, the the type of music. Obviously, in the sixties, it was the Beatles and the the bands like that coming out, and they were uh, very famous in this country, and they got very famous around the world. Um, into the seventies, it was a lot of more sort of rocky bands turned up, and obviously also one particular Swedish band who did rather well in the nineteen seventies and are still going strong. <laughs> I wonder uh, who it could be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just released another album recently, thirty eight years after their previous one um and it's coming out of christmas so they've only released a couple of tracks of it but i'm sure that's going to be fantastic a uh, big seller anyway That'll, yeah do very well i'm sure <laughs> so what i'm saying is that i grew up with music which was the sort of rock and pop stuff um and particularly that sort of spread off into various genres of r&b and all sorts of other things i remember i lived in america for a while in the, the late 70s and I went to a record shop there and of course it was all categorized and I had no idea what most of those categories were. I mean, obviously that's the way it's come over here later, but as far as I was concerned, it was all basically pop music. Mm. Um, but that kind of stuff, it's the, you know, two, three guitars, 
drums and maybe a keyboard was very much the sort of mainstream and has been for a long time after that. And I think right up into the sort of beginning of this century, that was still quite a mainstream sort of uh, uh, type of music. And I like all that stuff. From that sort of, I suppose, late 90s and into the first part of this century, uh, we had some new genres, which are things like rap music and some of the uh, I call loud and noisy, perhaps dance music and sort of um, <laughs> transcendental dance music, and all those kind of things, which I I associate with pictures of sort of clubs in Ibiza and that sort of thing. Um, now I suspect that's the kind of music you play, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Um, I'm currently doing a bit of DJing in my spare time, so um, I, I guess it was um, like you talking about the late nineties and kind of noughties. Um, I guess I would have been very young then, but I don't kind of genres were kind of more or less kind of breaking through like they're really huge now like these kind of genres that are in the 90s they're kind of very much got a modern thing and they're very established nowadays but I guess it was more of a time of quite big characters in terms of artists obviously the Spice Girls were very famous um like NSYNC, Justin Timberlake it was kind of more the the people and the artists that were really carrying through like branding and stuff like that but then I guess kind of uh what Jen said as I am um I guess we didn't really feel we had a genre that represented us um, until club culture really became huge and dance music and um, quite this really bassy sound and um, stuff like that. So that it just took off because we just felt like it was, it was really a stamp for us and it was very exciting. I remember kind of first discovering it and um, really, really enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Oh, you've got your own type of music. I mean, that's the thing really that, one of the things when we started this program oh, about five or six years ago now was I thought what would happen would be I would talk to someone like of your age, a millennial or something, and say, ah, you don't know what good music is and here's some music I can play <laughs> you from the 1980s and you won't have ever heard of the Eagles or Bon Jovi. And, of course, they all say, oh, yeah, know all those songs, you know. And I found that that was actually very common, my daughter being exactly the same as that. And, you know, she still loves Elton John, for example, and listens to his music all the time. Um, so... Um, there's a strange thing where the sort of music has gone on for years and years and years. And obviously people have made new new songs, but it's the same sort of type of music. And now, I mean, the other thing is, although there's this new type of music that people like you obviously like, and that's, you know, good luck to you. I don't have a problem with that. Um, there's also plenty of music, which is still very much in the sort of mainstream stuff that I've heard over the last umpteen years, because there's big artists, I would say people like Taylor Swift, for example, who's a singer songwriter, writes really nice songs and, you know, I, I think that if she had been doing that 20 years ago, it, she probably would have been successful then because it wasn't different. So we've got a sort of we've got a sort of pop classical music culture is what I suppose it is. Um, and it's it's no sign of stopping because, of course, there's some old people, very old people like the Rolling Stones still performing, which I can't <laughs> believe. But, um, you know, they're doing their old songs. You, you can imagine being 22 or something and writing your song. It's a big hit. It's number one. And you think. I'm going to be still singing this 60 years later on a stage. <laughs> no one's ever going to do that, are they? <laughs> no, no that's, um, that is quite crazy. Um, what, who, who did I go and see two years ago? I wanted to go see The Who um, at Wembley Arena, um, which is... Um, was, it, was that recently? Yes. Um, uh, well, not the last about, two years, I'm sure, but... <laughs> about two years ago, I saw them in concert um, at Wembley Arena. Um, so, yeah, they're probably up there. <laughs> With them. Absolutely, and were were they good? I mean, did you, did you actually really li like that? Um, I mean, 
I was kind of brought as a plus one to it. I wasn't really too sure about the music. Um, well, as in I hadn't heard of it beforehand. And um, I guess it was good fun um, that they brought a lot of energy in a sense. Like I kind of um, see where they fitted in their time and um, kind of what they would bring to a performance. So it was um, it was quite intriguing in that sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, the, the point is that also, I think we've actually discussed this before, haven't we? You probably pick up your parents music quite a lot because your parents probably had records and cds around and maybe you listened to them perhaps when you were younger so some of those things you will be familiar with because i mean um the other thing that happens is a lot of um new movies particularly sort of um animated movies tend to dip back into the sort of early 70s and 80s music and so i find some Young people go around and say, oh, yeah, you played The Monkeys, I'm a Believer. And they say, oh, yes, I know that song because it's in Shrek or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and I often don't remember where these songs come from, but um, they're sort of resurrected and people know them from recent films, for example. And I imagine that if you're making those animated films, you put in a few sort of 60s and 70s songs to encourage the parents to bring their children along. That's my, no, my guess um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a good... Um you know, good way to kind of target a wider audience, definitely. But so did you, I mean, when you were younger, before you discovered the new music, presumably you did listen to, um, I don't know, the Beatles or other things like that, did you? I mean, um, possibly not the Beatles. Yeah, I yeah. guess quite earlier, um, I guess being in the car with my dad, he was a big Pink Floyd fan. Oh, so, Dark um, Side of the Moon, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And um, that was, um, I did quite enjoy that. It was um, quite it was kind of all the same place I used to kind of hear it. So basically like, he would drive me home from like going swimming or something like that. And it would be kind of dark and you just have this really spacious um, kind of psychedelic rock music that would kind of, it, it, being quite young, that still grabbed me quite a bit. And um, I remember it quite vividly. Yeah. Dark Side of the Moon was the album. You had to turn all the lights off and lay back and enjoy it. Let it wash <laughs> over you. Yeah. So well, my dad just has it on while he's peeling the spuds or something. He just <laughs> he right. doesn't do it anywhere. <laughs> uh, it's probably if you're a psychedelic hippie in the 1970s, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, so that's the music we've listened to over the times. And I mean, you could probably tell me lots of artists that you like, and I wouldn't have heard of any of them. So I won't even go into that. But the other way around, I can mention artists like ABBA and Queen, mm. who are very, yes. the, big, the big ones from the 70s, I suppose now. I think at the time, the Queen weren't particularly regarded as being very... Uh, yeah, they were just another band. And it's one performance, which was the Live Aid performance at Wembley. I was going to guess that, yeah. <laughs> uh, which they did. And suddenly they were the biggest rock band in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a brilliant performance. So it's, um, it's no wonder people still talk about it today. It's, um, no, this is, um, I guess, like I was talking about before, like um, kind of having the, just a big upfront branding and character um from someone like freddie mercury he um he just really managed to just sell a song and sell a performance brilliantly <laughs> yeah it's one of those things on that particular day it was you know the, it was for a good cause everyone accepted that there was lots of really well-known people there it was a nice sunny day and there was a crowd of goodness knows how many hundreds of thousands of people or whatever in the old Wembley stadium and um so it's it just sort of somehow that moment was captured and everyone remembers it and um, they, they showed some of it on tv quite recently i think again and it got a big audience you know sort of i think it was 30 years later or whatever 
Okay, let's talk about the technology then, because I know, I mean, as a DJ, you're really using all the, the latest technology for, for music and so on. And um, obviously, to some extent, you sort of walk on with a, a laptop or something, do you, to perform your, your music? Or, yeah. Am I getting so- it wrong? You tell, you tell me. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can do, um, even just something as um, small as a memory stick or something if I'm like, you know, playing other songs and like performing in that sense. But um, I know technology is kind of, um, as I was um, saying previously, um, the electronic music that kind of really put a stamp on our generation and was our, our music. Um, technology played a big part in that because it became affordable and um, kind of the reasons why people in my generation um, like using it, like making it because it's very easy to obtain and very um quite i guess relatively easy to use as well and um i guess kind of what dif- it's different to like you know the three piece bands that maybe you used to listen to it's um everything was like the drum beats were gridded they were completely on time they weren't recorded live it was just um something that could just really kind of hold you <laughs> mentally as you, as you're as you're listening really and um this kind of also followed into how we consume music as well so i guess quite a quite notable thing um was i think either the year i was born or the year before um was a program called napster that was made i think by someone in america i, I should know his name but i don't a bunch <laughs> of students in university in america always yes yeah no it was um yeah these college kids and um i i, I guess uh, they weren't too bothered about um paying for their music unfortunately which um turned out to be a really damaging thing for the um for the record industry or just the music industry in general because you're just having all this music getting swapped and traded like uh, in an untraceable way so like um whereas on radio maryland for example we purchase a prs license we play a song prs gives some money to the artist this wasn't getting traced no one would know that this song was getting given to someone or anything like that and it was such a wide scale thing that um it caused one of the biggest record labels um at the time to go bust which was virgin emi they used to be the big four record labels it's now the big three because of this mm. and um it's uh it's that, that very much paved the way for how streaming works now <laughs> to be fair we um from people in the noughties kind of almost ruining <laughs> the, the music industry well, I mean, of course, the, the, the streaming is the thing now, and it's the big boys of Spotify, Apple, and a few others. Um, and they obviously are legitimate, and they do pay royalties and so on. But they also pay the artists a very, very tiny amount because, of course, if you play a track on, on Spotify or a track is played on Spotify, um, some of the artists get hundreds of millions of, of um, listening or listeners, I suppose, um, and they get a, a sort of micro bit of a a penny or something for each time it's played so it still amounts to a fair amount of money but it probably is not as huge as it used to be i, I think, believe I think it's some, something like 0.006 um cents per stream i think and um something like if you were to buy like a song on itunes for 99p that's equivalent to like a thousand streams or something silly like that it's um it's very very hard to kind of make a living from it nowadays well, yes, and even the sort of Taylor Swift of this world presumably don't get that much money from the streaming. I mean, I think she, she was probably one of the ones who did try and sort of um, complain about this and try and get a better deal, and maybe she yes. did. 
Um, but of course, that's the same thing as usual. It's the, the big artists can sort of demand more money, but all the other people, particularly the young struggling ones, who you would rather hope some money would go to in, in the sort of early days for them. They're the ones who don't get it, aren't they? It's not bad. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's, um, it's, it's kind of complicated. It's, um, we're kind of saying all these bad things, like it's really hard to kind of get paid and to, um, to kind of make a living, but it's, it, because of like algorithms like Spotify, they have a really good like playlist following. So they kind of they have their own radio style mixes where they kind of give you a list of songs and update it each week, and you're introduced to something that you like. So if you like rap music, they'll weekly update this playlist, and you can you can get your songs, your music put onto those playlists. It's so much easier to kind of get noticed and get an audience um, to kind of give you the attention in the first place. And it's just kind of how you use that um, externally. So kind of can you use that to get shows, which is live shows are kind of the the biggest, most important thing that an artist can do to get money nowadays because it's the only thing that that they can take complete ownership for um, by doing a performance. So I guess Spotify in that way, you can get an audience to go and do that basically. Yeah, I mean, I know obviously over the past 18 months with you know what and so on happening around the world, um, (laughs) obviously artists have not been able to perform. And obviously we know quite a few local artists, and I've certainly spoken to some of them, who've been really depressed because they literally were sort of stuck at home and couldn't perform, therefore couldn't earn any money for a year or more. And as they were sort of, um, you know, sole traders or whatever, they didn't get much of the government money to support businesses during the Mm -hmm. COVID um, time and whatever. Um, So at least that is starting to get back to normal as it were and they're doing um big big concerts and things now and they are happening i i've i haven't been to any big music concerts but obviously i've seen quite a few things going on and there have been a number of festivals this year so it's sort of hopefully getting back to that um i would like to just say i think the big change of course in music was when it went digital which was really for the consumer it was the cd and the records to CDs at the time, it was a lot of arguments about it, saying it doesn't sound as good. It sounds, you know, mechanical. It's sort of computerized and so on because it was a digital signal and obviously compressed and various things. Um, and I think that that was now we can look back and see that was sort of intermediate stage because CDs are almost sort of out of fashion completely. Um, so we've got two extremes now. We've got the old vinyl stuff, and I saw news story the other day that the factories that make vinyl there's only a few of them around the world and they're all completely um overwhelmed and can't produce the the, <laughs> the copies now at the moment yes uh, no, it's probably to do with the lorry drivers as well i don't know um oh, God. <laughs> but with with streaming it it's hard to see quite how it can develop from there because, you know, you've got sort of everything's on tap, isn't it? You basically can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want, and it's all there. Um, and that seems to be sort of ultimate way of doing things. But I feel that not having a sort of ownership of something in your hand, even if it's like, you know, as you say, a memory stick, is <laughs> um, somehow losing something. And I don't quite know what it is because, I mean, you'll just tell me, oh, well, I can just flip from one thing to another, Spotify, Apple, or all the others, and find find stuff. Um, and you probably can. And you have to assume that's always going to be available in future, which is possibly what I think is perhaps a bit, bit um, maybe short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's completely, like, it takes it uses consumerism perfectly just by marketing it in a way that like you can have absolutely everything that the music industry has to offer for a tenner a month and stuff like that. It's just, um, it's really caters to what kind of people want nowadays. But, um, 
I guess on the side of them, just going back quickly to when it was going from vinyl to CDs, when that was kind of first becoming popular, um, it like stream, like digital music did um, when that first came about. It made it easier for people to share them, share their own music, and be an artist because um, I think I watched something. Um, Pioneer, which is a famous uh, manufacturer of um, digital turntables, um, people could. Um, put their edits or like their remixes of songs and like kind of could put it on CDs so much easier than they could on a vinyl because manufacturing was just um, a lot cheaper and stuff like that. Um, but um, I, I guess, yeah, in terms of the consumer um, streaming, it's, it gives you everything you, you could want to be fair. Yeah, no, I mean, I do, I do use it, but I'm not sort of a major user every now and then I think, Oh, I'll listen to some music and I'll, you know, look at one of my playlists I set up on Spotify or something like that and listen mm. to it. That's fine. But then what I'm doing is is I'm curating my own playlist of things I know I like. What misses, what I miss out on is obviously new songs, which I may well like if I hear them, but I don't know how to hear them. So that's where I, you have to use their pre-made playlists and I'll suddenly occasionally come up with, oh, actually, that sounds rather good. What's that? Who's that? Mm. And so on. So I suppose the discovery bit is different. I mean, in the past, you walked into a shop and sort of thumbed through all the CDs or the, the albums in the shop, and somehow you'd come across something, and then someone would look over your shoulder and say, oh, yeah, they're really good. You should listen to that one. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of how it works. So it's a bit of a different process now. I suppose you, you get any number of articles or sort of tweets or Facebook postings saying, oh, you should really listen to so-and-so. Yeah, I guess um, kind of how vinyl and records kind of have that human touch to it i guess people are trying to kind of incorporate that with um listening to music digitally so like um well like radio verulam does like you can get this show and um kind of you can re-upload it somewhere and it's the same that people kind of make these pre-recorded um radio shows for people to kind of come back to and kind of have talking in between get like audience inclusion and stuff like that so the human touch is still trying to get there with music and uh i think that that has some potential of course um of uh kind of giving back a bit of um authenticity in a yeah. way well, i mean the, the interesting thing with podcasts is that you you basically for copyright reasons don't put music on them generally i mm. mean the bbc does some music because they've got the copyright things to do that um and so it's getting people listening to spoken word which is quite unusual and obviously a lot of young people do use podcasts i know that's a very common thing um and so that it's it's another way of of getting them into something which isn't the music. And though we were talking about music, that's, <laughs> that's gone the other way. Um, I think the main thing for me, of course, is that having streaming and all those sort of things means I, you don't need to have shelffuls of records or, or I've got several racks full of CDs and so on. Um, so it takes up space. And I guess if you've got a house which is a bit small or you're in a flat where you, <laughs> space is at a premium, you can sort of walk in there and have all the music you want just with one little device sitting on a desk somewhere and you don't need to have any of those hard bits and pieces to play with or break or the dog <laughs> dog chews up for you or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, um, that is a, a big plus to kind of digital music. Um, once again, kind of marketing it as a way that you can 
keep as much as you want, have as much as you want, really. It's um, we're, we're a greedy generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I, I do, I just think there's something lost, and I don't quite know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. It doesn't feel quite it's there. So if I've got a digital download of a track, that's great, and I can listen to it. But I also know those big companies can suddenly move it off my computer. Um, they can just take it away for whatever reason. I mean, they, they won't do it generally, but obviously if there's a copyright issue, they can just dive in and pull that thing off and you haven't got it anymore. And I've heard people have that problem. No, I, I, I haven't. Um, that's, um, no, that, yeah, that does sound a bit of a, <laughs> a safety issue or security issue. I don't think I'd be comfortable with that, really. Well, it's copyright things, but I mean, it's, it's not something that happens very often, but I have heard of people saying, hang on a minute, what happened to this? I had that album and it's gone. You know, and ooh. um, yeah. So I don't know. It's sort of that. So I mean, the music you like. I mean, you, the music you play and so on. Is that what you actually listen to at home yourself? Is or is that um just that's your professional job one, or is it is it the same thing? I just never quite get this. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I guess there are similarities. I guess what I look for in like the different genres I listen to are similar so like I'm quite interested in sound design um how a kind of sound's been programmed and how they've been made to kind of sit in the song and stuff like that I work as a mixing engineer so kind of I'm always listening out for balance of a song and um how does uh, and how it sounds sonically and uh stuff like that so um yeah I guess there's characteristics that kind of branch out um uh, I listen to different songs for the same reasons, really. So when you're listening, I mean, I suppose in any profession it's like this. If you sort of design cars and you drive a car, you don't just drive it. You're thinking, oh, I can hear that little noise there. I know what that is. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I was thinking it's more like the chefs who tell you, you know, they're Michelin star chef. What do you like when you get home? And they say beans on toast. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't think I'm quite that drastic. Uh, I, I mean, it's constantly changing, um, really. Sorry, right, no, I was just, I was just sort of fishing around there because I, I never quite know. I suppose I obviously listen to things which I'm familiar with more than new stuff, but I do, do listen to new stuff because I know there is new stuff coming out which I, I actually will like because it's particular artists and so on who I know. Some have been around forever, some have only been relatively recent, but are singing in the old-fashioned styles that I recognise. Perhaps, but perhaps it isn't old-fashioned if they're making new music now. That's not old-fashioned, is it? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Nice combination of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, do you buy vinyl or have you bought vinyl? Um, you'd probably uh, in a position to get it if you work in a place where they sell it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't asked. No, I don't actually have a player. Um, so uh, I, I haven't um, to ha- actually. Probably the close. What was the first bit? The first media player I ever got was um, my great-grandfather. <laughs> when, um, when Bless Me got quite hard of hearing um in his later years um he had like a portable cd player that you could plug your headphones in and um i i would listen to the um whatever the newest now album was at the time and um no quite a sentimental thing i guess why i quite like cds in a sense um they're quite sentimental to me in that sense um but no that was the first media player i am um, i ever got yeah 
Well, I know obviously a lot of cars had CD players, but they don't now because you don't really have a radio or a, a music player in the car. You have a sort of bunch of electronics, which does all that for you as well. You know, it's Alexa, play me this or whatever in cars. <laughs> And there, yeah. there really are cars with Alexa in now, unfortunately. Oh, God. <laughs> but you'll be presumed just go and sit in it and say, Alexa, take me home. Oh, God. No. <laughs> so I, think we, we, I think the previous podcast we did together, we were talking about cars and um, yes, self-driving. Exactly. Was a little bit scary, but, um, oh, God, yeah, God knows how music's going to um, kind of integrate itself with that. It's, but, um, well, so, I mean, the we'll you know, the, I suppose the idea would be you'd walk out of the house with the music playing and it would sort of follow you somehow. So when you get in the car, it plays the same music. And oh, when you get somewhere else, it does that. And, oh, it may, no, no, no. and there's also these things where you can walk in a room and you can have one music playing to you and somebody else has, hears something different because it's sort of beamed towards you across the room. I saw it. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a kind no, of la- no, 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 laser no. beam thing. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's too weird. That's okay. too weird. We won't try and predict the future of all these things. Anyway, well, it's been very interesting talking to you, Hannah. Thanks very much for that, and as usual. And um, you're obviously getting very much in the technical um, area of these things. And I think that may, maybe that affects the way you enjoy music, because you, if you listen to it as a sort of technical thing, perhaps you don't just sort of lay back and say, oh, that's a nice tune, I like that. Yeah, I definitely feel like um, I'm a university student right now, and um, when we go off to the club, I I definitely feel like I'm there for a different reason, <laughs> as um, my peers are, um, really. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, thanks very much. So um, we'll uh, join join us again on the Generation Gap in future, um, and um, you can always listen to all of the podcasts on radioverulam.com or www.radioverulam.com, I suppose I should say. And uh, thank you very much, Hannah, and um, we'll speak to you again soon, no doubt. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.